Welcome to episode 12 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, and finally we're done with preseason. We're podcast, not even preseason. We're done with pre-preseason because there was never a preseason podcast. We're done with all the draft stuff, all the speculating. We're, we're finally going to have some some actual games to watch. I'm joined as always by Dalton Willie, my co-host and producer Johnny Fam. Johnny, I'm going to start with you. I know you're excited for football to be back, bud. How are you feeling two days away at this point, recording on a Tuesday night, two days away from uh, RKC Chiefs opening? I feel great. Betting season's back, <laughs> analyzing lines, just excited to win some fantasy football games this year, just talk about our teams. It's always interesting or like exciting to like have a talk about it like on a podcast rather than just a couple messages on sleepers saying like oh you suck good try putting it to pen and paper on a podcast is uh really exciting so something to look forward to for this year i don't think i've actually used pen pen and paper yet for this podcast johnny well maybe you should <laughs> i have it, no it's good I'm, I'm glad football's back we can get our action network uh picking pool started back up again i'll smoke oh, you guys by, yes. by 20 games again this year okay all right <laughs> dalton how about you bud i'm so excited there was a moment in my life when the NCAA tournament was canceled that I didn't think I'd ever see sports again. And now we're here and the NFL season's around. I've never been a big NBA guy. So it's been close to, it's been a full six months since I've really got to enjoy sports uh, and watch the sports I enjoy and love. So I'm excited. Chiefs get to open up the season and I'm excited to see them slack the Texans by 21. Insert excited Patrick Mahomes gif here. Um, <laughs> you can subscribe to our newsletter. It just went live last week, and that is uh, halfpointperpod.substack.com. We just put up uh, a new one today with our week one ranks. Obviously, we'll talk about that a little bit as we go through the games uh, on this show today. But week one ranks and then some explanations, uh, at least from my side of things. And then Dalton is going to have some bold predictions, right? Dalton coming up later this week, I think, on Thursday. Yeah, we will be having some bold predictions coming towards. Um, you guys have probably heard about a couple of these guys that will be in the newsletter, but subscribe so you can really come back and rip me in week 16 when none of them come true. <laughs> so the link is going to be in the show notes again, like last week, also on the Twitter account uh, um, in our bio. It's still there. It's been there for the last, I think it was actually there like a month before it was even live. So if anybody went to it and wondered like, what in the world is this? Uh, now, now, you know, now it's actually up and functioning, but we, we shouldn't wait any longer guys. Uh, Thursday night, the defending champion KC Chiefs are going to be taking on the Texans. Game is in Arrowhead in front of, I think, about 20,000 people. It sounds like it is what's going to be there. Um, I guess there's not a ton to talk about this game fantasy-wise, really, right, Dalton? I mean, you're starting Mahomes. You're starting Kelsey. You're Even though Kelsey was limited in practice on Monday with the knee thing, he practiced today, so I think we're good there. You know, Tyreek Hill, Deshaun Watson. I guess David Johnson, those guys, you're all starting. It's the highest over-under of any game this week. I think where I wanted to start, especially with you, considering uh, who you've drafted and all the drafts I've done with you this year, any concern with you about the talk that Daryl Williams might be eating into that work share week one? Not in the slightest. Uh, like you already said, the game has the highest over-under, so my boy Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to eat. He's going to be in the red zone a lot. He's going to be getting really efficient looks from – the best quarterback when targeting running backs, Patrick Mahomes. So overall, even if it's a 60-40 split, I just really feel like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is in a great position to really smash value. Last year, this Texans defense was one of the worst pass-wise, and it was 
bottom 16 rushing defense. It's just a bad defense in general. And I think the Chiefs are going to do a great job at getting all their guys involved. And it's going to be a great time and a very, very uh, Swiss cheese defense for Clyde Edwards Hilaire to make his debut for the NFL this year. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm actually, you mentioned the 60-40 snap share. I wish I had this in front of me, but I was going to go look and see what Kareem Hunt's snap share was his rookie year because I don't think he his snap share was as high as people think. So even if it's not 80-20 CEH, I think you're fine there. I do think it's maybe something to watch if uh, if Daryl is more involved in the goal line um, aspect of things than maybe people might want because I do think that is at least possible. Um, another very relevant topic for you, Dalton, um, you have Will Fuller on the team. The, those Texans receivers, basically it's Fuller and it's Brandon Cooks. And Cooks missed practice today with a quad injury. So, I mean, keep an eye on that one. Obviously, it's Thursday, so you'll know for your lineup whether or not you can count on him or not if you were going to start him. But how do you feel about having the flex either one of those Texans guys uh, week one here? Well, like I've been on the Will Fuller train all season, I think that he is a top 24 start this week. I think the... In general, the passing core for the Texans is a good bet if you really need a good flex this week because they're going to likely be trailing the Chiefs. Uh, any team that plays Kansas City just has to come out throwing on all cylinders because Kansas City puts them in negative game script situations so quickly. And uh, the Texans are no stranger to what the Chiefs can do. We saw what they did in the playoffs. They were down 21-0, 24-0, and the Chiefs came roaring back to win the game. So I would be really surprised if the Texans didn't come out firing on all cylinders, trying to get their guys involved. So you're going to have a lot of opportunity there. Um, and as far as the receiving core goes, I'm, I'm team Will Fuller here, especially now that Brandon Cooks is playing a little hamstrung and might be a little injured. Will Fuller has a real good position to smash value this this game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I did look at Kareem Hunt. I don't have the snap share for the whole season, but he was never above 90%, which 90 is a lot. But he was ne- he he wasn't on the field every play. What I'm trying to say, um, at any point for the Chiefs. So even if that CEH snap share is a little a little lower than like an 80-20, you're still good to go, I think. And as far as Fuller goes, I, I mean Cooks at this point, even if he is active, I feel like I would struggle to start him just with the injury on a short week. You, you don't like that when it pops up on a Tuesday, especially too, because this is basically like a guy missing a Thursday practice, which is a little bit alarming for Sunday, but. You know my things on Will Fuller. I will say that if you're looking for a boom play, this could be it. If you're in DFS and and you're looking for potentially a cheap boom option, this is probably it. But unless you drafted like a J.K. Dobbins like you did before him, he's probably not a guy you drafted as a starter. He's probably your first bench player, and that's probably where I would keep him this week. Um, Real quick, Duke Johnson, any... Flex appeal, and this would be a very specific situation. Like, if you're me and drafted Ronald Jones as your RB2, and you're kind of scrambling at this point, um, Duke Johnson in that kind of scenario, any any appeals of flex for you this week? Well, this is probably going to get me crucified, but honestly, with the way the game's working out and the way it looks like it's going to be, which is a game where the Chiefs lead and the Texans are behind. I would probably be preferable to starting Duke Johnson over David Johnson in my lineup. Uh, Duke Johnson has familiarity and will probably be the guy they can run no huddle snaps with. I'm not sure David Johnson has the time to be prepared for it. Um, so if you're in a bad situation, you drafted Fournette, uh, you know, maybe you really thought that one of your Jonathan Taylor or J.K. Dobbins are, is your RB2 and you're in a bad spot and really need just a consistent eight, nine point production. I think Duke Johnson 
isn't going to be a hard hit for that, especially if you're a full point uh, per reception league. I think Duke Johnson's very, very easily going to get at least four or five receptions in a game where they're behind. And mm-hmm. last season, he got a lot of the red zone work over Carlos Hyde, so he might still retain that duty. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then just last thing on the Chiefs before we move on, uh, Sammy Watkins, they're, they're, you're, you're not starting Sammy Watkins, and you're not starting McCole Hardman probably under any circumstance. I would just say I, I am curious to see how they use Hardman, how often he's on the field, and how often he's on the field maybe instead of guys like Watkins or Robinson, where they line them up and if they if it feels like they're going out of their way to get him some of those jet sweeps and things like that. He's a he's a guy that I'm watching for future weeks this week. No no actionable um starting advice uh, on on him though. Absolutely. If you're in one of those leagues that's not as sharp and maybe Miko Hardman even went undrafted because last year he was so inconsistent, he could be a good guy to watch on your waivers too. Maybe 10 man leagues you might be able to pull him off. Yeah. But in and, general, I'd watch his usage and how they involve him in the game plan. Yeah. And and I'll talk about this a little bit later with another guy. But one thing, if you have at like a revolving um, roster spot at the bottom uh, of your roster in your league. What I do like to do sometimes is I try and guess the waiver wire and pick up a guy who I think is going to have a big week and is going to be one of the top waiver wire pickups. So if he's out there, yeah, then he he could be that guy for sure. But on to the Packers at the Vikings on the Sunday slate here. Again, the, we're, we're going to say this a lot this week, but you start your studs, especially because it's week one. You drafted these guys. Uh, so highly it's not Aaron Jones you're absolutely starting him but Aaron Jones it feels like just if you look at last year he could be in him for a big game at least the the results are kind of encouraging you would think at least in years past it seems like the Vikings have kind of given the Packers some issues uh, as far as the running game goes but in two games last year uh, Aaron Jones 270 rushing yards 10 receptions 77 yards and three total touchdowns and also Devonte Adams broke a hundred in both of those games as well. So you like those guys anyway, maybe you like them a little bit more, but I think where the questions start for green Bay is you like Rogers or not, excuse me, not Rogers. You like Adams and you like his running back, Aaron Jones. Uh, how about the guy getting them the ball in Aaron Rodgers, Dalton? Are we starting him this week? Uh, well, I think in my rankings, I had Aaron Rodgers as a top 12 guy. Uh, and I can definitely – oh, I had it at 13, actually, so right out of the top 12. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a good defensive line that Minnesota still has. If you drafted him, you probably drafted him to start. His ADP was in the top 12. I don't recommend you dropping him for a flyer like Jimmy mm-hmm. Garoppolo or somebody else. So, yeah, you're probably starting him, but this is a good opportunity. Uh, the Packers offense has more questions than other offenses. Who is the wide receiver too? Who gets those snaps? Is Aaron Jones going to get an 80% snap share again this year? Is Jamal Williams going to be working in that position or is it AJ Dillon? So it's a good game to watch and to kind of uh, check the game logs for who got a lot of the snaps. So in the future, you can predict the value and maybe be ahead of the waiver wire. Because even if a guy like Lazard only has a six point week, but he plays 90% of the snaps, he could be a guy who, when you have bye weeks, could be a good fill in. I think we're contractually obligated to when we mention AJ Dillon, we have to follow with and his thighs every time we mention his name, right? He's a girthy boy. <laughs> uh, but but with Rodgers, I have him 15th uh, behind guys like Jared Goff and Big Ben and Cam Newton, who I will have drafted. Well, I will have drafted Rodgers probably closer to top 10. I think that's just a good exercise in looking at you look at Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. They had those big games last year. That does not necessarily always translate to big games for the quarterback. Uh, Rodgers had 22 total 
fantasy points in, in two matchups between these teams last year. So just because you like those guys doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a huge game for Rodgers. And, I mean, if you got him, you're starting him. But at the same time, um, he's not a guy I feel great about this week. I'll just put it that way. On the road at Minnesota. I know on the road means less this year than ever before, but but still. Yeah, and I think in general, Aaron Rodgers isn't a quarterback who is the fantasy expectations we had of him two years ago. Mm-hmm. Last season, it's not like he had any blow-you-off-the-page the stat displays. Uh, so if you drafted him, you're just looking for a weekly top 12 performance, probably not within the top five or six pass, pass throwers most of the games. I think really I have on the other side of the ball, or the other side of the coin, rather, with the Vikings, really only two questions because obviously Dalvin Cook is a no-brainer. Same with Thielen. Number one, um, who are the other pass catchers being used for Minnesota? And just what does that look like? What's that volume like? And obviously you can't really tell a lot from season-long volume in one week, but what's that volume like? And then with Kirk Cousins, should he be a guy that maybe you're considering? I don't know. Maybe you have – I don't know what, what scenario I would be starting him, but if you – I guess maybe you have Aaron Rodgers and you just don't – you don't, you don't want to do it. Is there any – any anything you like about the other side of the ball there for Kirk Cousins? Not particularly. I think the Packers defense is a little underrated. They have a great defensive line. Their secondary is pretty strong. Um, I don't think Kirk Cousins has ever been an inspiring quarterback anyways. You know, he might give you a 15-point performance. Mm-hmm. Really, uh, my note on the Vikings side is the same as the Packers side. It's very interesting to see how their secondary pass catches are used, and I would watch that to see who has a higher snap percentage especially a guy like Irv Smith who plays tight end, but they want to work him outside. If he's playing outside, that could be a very valuable role later in the season. If you need a flyer on tight end Mm -hmm. one or two weeks. Well, and Justin Jefferson, I know he's like, it sounds like he's coming along slow, but he's still a a very talented rookie. So, and there's just another one of those rookie receivers to keep an eye on. Um, I mentioned Rogers with 22 points in two games. Uh, Cousins was even worse, 15 total points in two games. So neither neither game last year was exactly a fantasy uh, palooza, we'll, we'll say, be, between these two teams. So I'm not exactly expecting a crazy game this year by any means. We'll move on to kind of a sad game, Bears at Lions. I say that because Mitch Trubisky is officially the starter. I think Dalton's eyes just rolled into the back of his head. You're obviously You're obviously not starting Trubisky. You're not worrying about that at all. What you what you worry about is what this does to the other skill guys. The thing I'll say about Trubisky starting is that if you don't start him now, you've probably lost him for good. So I guess if they want to give him one more shot, they had to do it this way. But does this change at all how you feel about mainly Allen Robinson? He's the main guy that we all care about. Well, let me first just get this off my chest. In tw- the 2018 season, the NFL voted Ryan Pace as the best general manager of the year. Uh, this man brought in Nick Foles on a huge deal to put him on the bench, has brought in 60-something tight ends, has one of the worst offensive lines in the league. The man is a travesty and should be on the chopping block immediately. Okay, <laughs> now that we've gotten through that, uh, it it worries me a bit. Uh, Nick Foles is known to take a few more shots downfield, and I'm sure everybody's seen the compilations of Allen Robinson five feet off of his corner only for Mitch to either miss the throw entirely or hit the sideline instead of hitting Allen Robinson. Uh, there's still a high volume here. He's still the top dog in the offense. He's still a very talented receiver. <laughs> you know, he made it work with Blake Bortles in the past. Now he's going to make it work with Mitch for a second year. Uh, 
I do hope there's a change in guard later in the season. I feel like it really increases Robinson's value, but he finished his top 10 wide receiver last year with this guy at quarterback. So still starting him, uh, just not as excited about the targets he'll be getting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Totally with you there. Not a whole lot more to add. Um, David Montgomery, I doesn't seem like he's playing this week, but still pretty unclear as of this point. So keep an eye on that. Dalton, if by some long shot he does play this week, are, are you are you starting him or are you waiting? No. And if by any shot you drafted David Montgomery in like the sixth round uh, while he was injured, uh, I think that's a pretty bad call. Uh, he's not an inspiring running back. That's his ADP prior to. And more importantly, I don't have any faith that the Bears offensive line is going to stand up to the Lions defensive line in this game. They're going to get mauled and he's going to spend the same thing he did last season. Whoever's at running back, which is getting piled on before they even hit the line of scrimmage. Mm hmm. Okay, so if he doesn't play, uh, Cordero Patterson might be the starting running back there. Is there any any appeal in Cordero Patterson? If you're at a 16-team league, <laughs> had David Montgomery. Or if you're playing DFS and you are looking for somebody on the cheap. But if you're at a 16-team league and you drafted Montgomery, Fournette, and Rojo, uh, and you're really up a creek without a paddle, I might recommend it. You know, another exciting name there, he made the roster is Ryan Nall. He's really the only guy on that team who's really been a three-down workhorse or exhibited those skills, mm -hmm. uh, but he's never done it in the in the regular season. In general, I would just watch how the game plays out and avoid it. The only back in that backfield, and I'm sure we'll talk about him, is Treat Cohen, who I'd feel comfortable starting. Yeah, so Tariq Cohen, I wanted to play a name game with him. Johnny, you're, you're going to hop in here as well. I know you don't have ranks, but I just want you off the cuff. Um, opinions here so Tariq Cohen or start with Dalton James White James White Johnny James White Tariq Cohen or Kareem Hunt Kareem Hunt I think the Ravens will lead most of the game mm, I like Hunt Tariq Cohen or Leonard Fournette Tariq Cohen god this is just too yeah Tariq Cohen Fournette's just a garbage can <laughs> Tariq Tariq hey. <laughs> He's playing with his first good quarterback, okay? That is true. Mm -hmm. Tariq Cohen or Marlon Mack? Marlon Mack. The Jaguars are going to get torched. Ooh, I like Cohen. Tariq Cohen or Carrion Johnson, his, his counterpart in this game? Ooh. Tariq Cohen, because he's going to touch the ball more than Carrion probably will. I like Carrion. Okay, so carry on Johnson. Now that, that'll jump us right into the Detroit Lions. Obviously, first you're starting Kenny Galladay. That's the only no-brainer on this offense. However, um, at the running back position, carry on Johnson and DeAndre Swift. Uh, if you have to pick one of those two this week, uh, Dalton, who are you starting? Uh, I feel for anybody who's in that spot. Uh, I'm probably going carry on because I feel like me he's going to get a role. Um, DeAndre Swift just didn't practice enough in the preseason for me to know what it looks like, but the Adrian Peterson signing just really muddles that <laughs> entire backfield. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what to read into that at this point. It sounds like he's going to have a role, but who knows really? We'll have to wait and see and see what he looks like. I guess what I would say on carry on and DeAndre Swift is number one, Swift has been injured. Like you said, and he's a rookie. So he's already behind the eight ball a little bit. And then on the other side of that, the thing with carry on is always like, Oh, well, you know, eventually he will get injured, I'm sure, and Swift will kind of have control of the backfield. Well, you know, carry on is the one that's fully healthy right now. So I'm taking carry on. I have him back to back. So it's not it's not like it's by a landslide, but um I, I still say Swift season long, but right now carry on Johnson. If you have to pick one, uh he's the guy. And 
I really the only other guy we, we know Stafford is uh, he's a mid QB one probably between like nine to thirteen. Um, so if you've got Stafford, you're probably starting him. Uh, TJ Hawkinson should he be locked into uh, a tight end one spot this week? I know it's probably not where people drafted him. He might be some people's second tight ends, but I don't know. Like if you have him and you have another tight, like if you have another tight end, you even took maybe before him. Trying to think of names like Tyler Higby, Evan Ingram. Like, is Hawkinson a guy that we should really consider starting like inside our top 10 this week? So, I have him ranked at tight end nine for the week. Uh, one thing I'm monitoring is he had he did say his ankle's not 100%, mm-hmm. which kind of lagged him down last season. So, I want to see where his snap percentage sets. Uh, but the Bears profiled as a team that wasn't great against the tight end last year, they were 22nd in tight end defense and fantasy scoring, and their defense didn't change much from the season. Uh, so there's value to be had there. Matt Stafford really profiles to increase all three passing options, uh, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and Hawkinson. So at least you're you're tying your tight end to a good quarterback instead of praying somebody like Chris Herndon just gets peppered with targets for the Jets. Uh, yeah. So I, I definitely, if I drafted him, I would probably be starting him. Mm-hmm. And if he somehow went undrafted in your league, which is not impossible based on where he's ranked, if not more than like 14 tight ends went in your draft, if he went undrafted, he's another beat the waiver wire candidate, in in my opinion. But okay, on to the Colts and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, we will see if the Jaguars really are what we think they are, which might be the worst team in the league this year because they just keep trading away their good players. So if you drafted Jonathan Taylor Dalton, which again you have about everywhere, there's no getting away from using him this week, but just like on a scale of one to 10, what's your comfort level uh, in starting Jonathan Taylor with, we'll say RB2 hopes, like a one to 10, how, how you feel about that? I mean, if you drafted a guy in a 1A, 1B situation like Taylor's in, you couldn't ask for a better matchup with Jacksonville. Uh, they've been absolutely just rifled with trading away their guys. Losing Ngaku hurts them even more in their run defense game. Uh, I would say I'm probably a seven or an eight as an RB2. Um, but it's just, this is really a game where if Jonathan Taylor wants to own the backfield, he could break off a couple of 30, 40 yard runs just with how bad the defense is. Um, and in general, you just, I've said it before, but you can't ask for a better situation for your back to excel in. They ranked 29th in run defense last season, the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I really expect the best offensive line to bully this defensive line and for the game script to be favorable for the Colts to run the ball game, slow it down a little bit, really put the ball in the hands of Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. I think both guys are viable starters this week. I wouldn't be surprised if each one of them finished the game with 12 to 13 carries at a minimum. I was going to ask, so my next question was going to be, is there ever going to be a better time outside of injury, of course, to start Marlon Mack. Like if you took Mack late and maybe took some chances earlier on that you feel less good about, is this a week where you should really consider maybe flexing Marlon Mack? Yeah, I think he has really good flex potential this week. And you'd probably draft him late enough that it's going to be a toss-up between him and a couple of other guys. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you took quarterback and tight end early and you're stacked there and Mack is kind of a fill-in guy while, while you figure out the, the running back and receiver on waiver wire or, or whatnot these next few weeks. Yeah. And I have Mac at RB 24 uh, rounding out the top 24 of my backs. And I think that's a good place for him to stand. There's just, there's high touchdown potential. 
there's going to be a lot of carries to go around this week. I would be very surprised if the Colts are ever not leading in this game. Uh, it's going to be a good game for a run-heavy offense like the Colts are going to profile to be this season. So you have them quite a bit higher than me. I actually have them at RB34, but I don't – it's funny. I don't really disagree with anything you said, but I'm just maybe a little less confident in in the big game. Um I guess one thing that I will be really watching with the Colts, I'm curious your take on this, is uh, you know, we we talk about the other pass catchers there outside of T.Y. Hilton, but mainly Phillip Rivers. I'm interested to see how Rivers looks behind a, a finally a good offensive line. We know he hasn't had that in who knows how long uh, in San Diego slash L.A. the last like decade or so, but at the same time, his arm looked kind of cooked last year. So if that's the case then i'm a little less optimistic about some of those other guys but if rivers somehow looks pretty good then you know the paris campbells the michael Pittmans, those guys are guys to watch and they become very interesting you know especially to me uh michael Pittman, because he kind of profiles as the mike williams type the touchdown guy in this offense yeah uh i'm gonna watch it too i'm actually more excited about paris campbell i think the guy's just an athletic freak i do think Pittman profiles better for that big bodied receiver downfield mm-hmm. uh, but i'm gonna be watching it too uh last season especially towards the end rivers looked like you know peyton manning did his last year <laughs> a lot of alligator arming a lot of ducks he is he was uh, shot he was shot putting the football down the field and maybe it was just the offensive line and him trying to get the ball out of his hands quick but if i was watching this game i would watch to see who's getting that wide receiver two roles i'd watch to see how jake doyle's being utilized in a role where there's no tight end like Eric Ebron taking away his snaps. He mm-hmm. could be a guy who's probably on almost every waiver wire that might be able to provide you some safe floor at tight end mm-hmm. for weeks to come. For sure. And and you mentioned the you know some of the quick throws. I think it was partially that, like like you said, but also like you remember the play in Mexico City against the Chiefs where where he threw that interception uh, to Sorensen to steal the game, and it's like that ball. It, it just had no juice. It just was flowing up there. Uh, so I'm just curious to see if that is who Philip Rivers is now or if he still has a little bit left in the tank. Yeah, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and side on the side. He probably doesn't, which is why I'm so big on the two running backs in this, <laughs> in this offense because these guys are going to just be pounding away the ball uh, yeah, while Philip no, Rivers I, gets little dink and dunkers. Yeah, I, I probably am on on that side as well, but it is definitely, I think, outside of uh, Jonathan Taylor, obviously. The next thing I'm watching is how Phillip Rivers looks just for that offense as a whole, because if he looks like crap, it, it, it's, I mean, he's smarter than Jacoby Brissett, but will he be that much better if he if his arm is really like that? I don't know. Remains to be seen. Okay, um, this was a real doozy in week 17 last year. Started us off again in week one. Dolphins at the Patriots. Every Chiefs fan will remember that game uh, for the rest of time. Is there a single player in this game, Dalton, that you feel good about starting? Because I'm not sure. Maybe James White. I think James White might be about it. James White and Cam Newton for me. Um, anybody else? I don't know what's wrong with Devontae Parker. He was at practice today, but they still haven't disclosed the injury, which scares the you know scares me a lot uh preston williams is coming off an acl injury i don't know where he's going to be at mike gasecki i know it doesn't mean a lot isn't listed as a starting tight end looks like they're really dedicated to using a blocking tight end in most sets i don't know how many pass catching sets gasecki's in uh nikhil harry is the wide receiver too and julian edelman's 35 years old and i don't know if cam newton's going to target him like brady did so at the end of the day uh james white and cam newton are the two guys i would consider uh Mm -hmm. starting in this game and that really 
does it for me. I have Cam Newton actually as QB 10 this week. And I think it's not outside of expectations for him to finish as a top five quarterback this week. Yeah. I mean, I have him 12 and I guess my thing is obviously, you know, I'm telling you if you have him start him, but it's just one of those things where he is just like quintessential. Like I just want to see him play first before I, before I trust it because you just don't know he's been. So he's been injured for so long and hasn't played healthy for so long that you just want to see it. But if you have him and you roll him out there, I mean, I, I'm not going to tell you it's a bad idea. It's just a risky idea. We'll put it that way. Um, I'm definitely, I have this question actually typed down, but I'm not, I'm not looking to Kirk Cousins, Gardner Minshew, Daniel Jones, that tier of guy. I'm going to go with Cam Newton there. Um, one thing I did want to ask, though, and you're going to laugh at the reason why I have this question down, is James White being disrespected? And the reason I ask that is in our half-point PPR league, he's projected the score like a whole point less than Chris Thompson on uh, on the Jaguars. Is James White just – is he undervalued yet again this year? I mean, he is just perennially undervalued every season because there's just no real excitement. Um, but the thing is, James White produces value for you. He's a great flex player because his floor is 10 points, especially in a full PPR league. So yeah, he's being disrespected. Uh, don't projections chase. James White's in a great position to smash value, especially with a backfield that is as messy as can be, and he's the only guy with a consistent role. Uh, Rex Burkhead might get some carries. Who knows what Sony Michelle looks like? And then J.J. Taylor, my personal hero at this point, (laughs) maybe he really breaks away some runs, and he's a fun waiver wire guy you might want to watch for if J.J. Taylor has the majority of snap percentage on this team. I think he's just your hero because he's one of like three NFL players you're taller than. I'm not that short. J.J. Taylor's Taylor's 5'5", so he's really short. Really short. J.J. Taylor is muscle man, 2.0. Just just live on the pod, Von Miller out for the year. He will need season-ending surgery. Um, All it says says is tendon injury. He's going to seek a second opinion. So if that changes, please don't don't kill us. Maybe Maybe he's not out for the year, but right now the report is Von Miller out for the year. Well, anybody who took my advice to bet the Broncos going under eight wins this season is looking a lot better. Yeah, that's a that, that's a real shot, um, or a real a real shot at that for sure. But back to the Patriots, just real quick, uh, Julian Edelman is he a guy that you're shying away from at all with with Tom Brady gone? I mean, I know his draft value is not nearly the same as it's been with Brady in years past, but I don't know what if he's your flex this week. How do you feel about it? Not good. Um, I just don't know what this Patriots team even looks like. Julian Edelman really profiles as a guy who shouldn't be playing football anymore and is. He's old. He plays the slot and gets hammered. I mean, the guy is a he's a powerhouse. I don't know how he does it every season, but I would be very injured or very concerned about Cam Newton throwing to him. I really think if I want a pass catcher on this team, it's Nikhil Harry who could have a sophomore breakout season. Yeah, I I think I'm going to lean differently than you there. I think Edelman is still just they he's just still so clearly the best receiver on, on that roster and you know I think Cam's a good quarterback. Good quarterback is going to throw to the guy who's open. I think Edelman is going to be open. I'm not saying to expect a big year. You're not going to get wide receiver 10 like you got last year out of him. I'm not I'm not saying that, but I mean basically he's Tyler Boyd, right? If you get somewhere between 24 and 32, um I, I think that's about what you can expect and He's just a nice floor play, and your flex just about every week, this week being no different. 
You talked about Devontae Parker. I would say we're probably both not comfortable at all starting him. We're waiting on that. We're waiting to see what happens with him week one just because we we don't know what's going on. He has the injury history. We talked about that last week. Uh, and he draws Stephon Gilmore. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, and he also has the though. defensive player of the year on the other side, a guy who, it, although he did toast Stephon Gilmore in Week 17 last year, would not expect that to happen again. The running backs, though, I think this is probably the thing to watch on, on the Dolphins, if anything, this week. You have Brita and Jordan Howard. I think for me, Dalton, and then we'll get to you. For me, what I'm interested to see is, of course, yeah, how they're used as far as how often guys are on the field, snap share, all that. But neither guy has ever really been a pass catcher. So is either one of these guys going to do it? I mean, Jordan Howard, I mean, maybe he can catch, but I, I don't think he can catch very well. I, I don't think he, I think he's got pretty mediocre hands and obviously is not anything special on the open field by any means. Brita profiles as a guy who you would want to be your pass catcher. He's lightning quick. You get that guy in space and I mean, He's one of the top 10 fastest guys in the league, probably at least on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I don't what, what do you think about that? Do you think Breda, if he is a pass catching back this year, what's his upside to you? Because for me, if Breda starts catching passes and of course stays healthy, I mean, that could be a top 24 guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm with you. I'm going to watch to see who's the primary pass catcher. I think Miles Gaskin also has an outside shot at it. He was a great receiver at Washington. Uh, two years ago, uh, but Brita is probably the more exciting play. I'm just going to go ahead and say it though. Jordan Howard is like coach's catnip. The guy <laughs> is always going to be the primary first and second down runner. He's going to take away valuable touches at the goal line. So I just really feel like if you drafted a guy from this backfield, I feel really bad for you because it's not going to be a good season. I don't think the Dolphins score a lot of touchdowns, especially on the ground. Uh, Brita has the breakaway potential, but I don't know what that looks like behind an offensive line that's not the San Francisco 49ers. That gives you tons of space. Mm -hmm. uh, Jordan Howard, I've said this way before, uh, he's the guy who actually can deal with contact behind the line of scrimmage. His whole career, he's dealt with getting hit behind the line of scrimmage and still has a positive yards per carry. So I would probably lean toward wanting to own Jordan Howard. Uh, but the only reason for that really is that Jordan Howard's going to probably be the guy who gets the goal line back touches, which is the most valuable to me in this offense. Well, I hope Brita can turn into the pass catcher because uh, number one, it it just flat out would help keep him healthy. I mean, the, he, he's so small and he's been a between the tackles guy his whole career. He's, he's 5'10", 190. I mean, that's just not big enough to stay healthy doing that. So he's so small, and obviously, like I said, he could just be electric in the open field if given the chance. Does he have the skill set? I don't know because he's never had like more than 24 receptions. Neither guy has. I think Jordan Howard's high is 29. So you have between the two what like a pretty good running back might catch in a year. So maybe it'll, maybe it'll be neither, but I'm just curious to see if either guy kind of emerges there. But okay, anything else on this one? I think we've gone way too long on this really bad game. No, I'm not looking forward to even watching the game that's <laughs> on red zone. All right, so Eagles at the Washington football team. And how in the world is that still the name at this point? Uh, on the Eagles side, you've got the guaranteed guys and Wentz, Miles Sanders, and Zach Ertz. Obviously, there's a little concern still with Miles Sanders. You could read between the lines a little bit and deduce, oh, maybe they feel good about his health because they only kept the three backs. But in reality, I mean... You still don't know, still a little uneasy, but at the same time, you draft them, you're starting them, 
and especially against Washington. I know their defense was decent, but I actually have Miles Sanders clear up at like 11 this week, which is like eight spots higher than my pre-draft ranking of him. So he's definitely a guy that even with the injury, I I think you've got, I think obviously you're starting him. Uh, Jalen Rager avoided the IR. Uh, I have, will still be out for a while, but I have also seen that maybe week two he's back. So I would just say it's a fluid situation to to keep watching that. But is there anything you're going to be keeping an eye on with the others? Let's say Rieger is out a couple of weeks. Like Greg Ward, uh, JJ, Ortega, Whiteside, like any of those guys interest you? Not this week, but maybe you're keeping an eye on him for waivers next week. Deshaun Jackson, we, we kind of know what the deal is there. Maybe he has a huge game, and then he'll be crap after that. Yeah, well, the first thing I want to say, just to follow up with the Jalen Rieger, might not uh, might play next week, not this week. Last year, for five straight weeks, I rostered Deshaun Jackson because they said the core muscle injury wasn't uh, wasn't going to keep him out all season, and it ended up doing it. I don't trust <laughs> the Eagles' front office one bit when it comes to injuries. They're probably one of the worst teams in the NFL when it comes to adequately assessing the injury and giving proper information right behind the Patriots. Um as for any receivers I'm watching, it's really just Deshaun Jackson. Um, last year when he was healthy, he had like a 32-point game week one. Didn't play week two except for two snaps before he got injured. He's If he still has the speed, which he did last year, he's still a guy who can really build the top off a of defense. And he's going to probably be the third or fourth option uh, behind Miles Sanders, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, and then probably Deshaun Jackson. And maybe after that, it's Greg Ward, who they decided to keep. They said he had a good camp and he was good last year where he had to fill in. But yeah. overall, outside of the main guys, I'm not excited about starting anybody in this. Eagles no, team. yeah, I'm not excited about starting anybody else. I would just say Greg Ward's another guy that he, he could be a waiver wire guy next week if he performs well. So he he's just somebody I'm watching to see if like the performance actually looks legit or if it was like, oh, he just got open on a complete brain fart by the defense and he has you know four for 90 but it was like a a blown coverage for 60 of that so those are the types of things that i think it's important to kind of um watch in in all these games so it's important to watch the games can't can't just look at the box scores um when it comes to this stuff on the other side we know terry mclaurin is locked and loaded in all the starting lineups no on Dwayne haskins antonio gibson is really the only question where do you have him ranked and would you start him this week? Yes, I would definitely start him. And I have Antonio Gibson ranked all the way at 19. Um, I can't believe you have him so high. He's the pass catcher here. Uh, I mean, they have JD McKissick, who's like 34 years old and 190 pounds as the starter. He doesn't, he just can't. JD McKissick's never been a starter. He won't be the starter. Yeah, uh, de- get- these depth charts don't really mean anything, by the way, just for anybody out there who m- might be seeing some of these things. It's like half the time with these depth charts, it's like, oh, the PR guy, like they just did it because they had to. And they want to screw with you, like putting J.K. Dobbins, <laughs> the fourth running back. <laughs> but no, I mean, even before the Bryce Love Love came out, uh, Antonio Gibson was the guy that all the coaches were excited about, including Ron Rivera. I think he has the best shot. He's probably going to be the third option in this offense behind Steven Sims when it comes to catching passes. Uh, that's another guy also I'd recommend watching on waivers. He ended last season with either 100 yards or a touchdown in his last four games. He had 10 points in all of those games at least. So I would highly recommend watching him on your waiver wire. He might turn into a good fantasy start uh, week to week with a pretty safe floor in an offense that 
probably is going to need to throw the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have him at RB25. The ideal scenario is that you can wait a week for him and just kind of see what happens, see how he looks, because for as talented as he is, he wasn't exactly a, a running back all the time in college. And at the NFL Combine, he ran with the receivers, you know, so he doesn't have a ton of experience as a running back. Everybody seems to say he profiles athletically just off the like charts. The so I will see if my gut would, if you can wait a week, wait a week. But if you're in a scenario where, you know, I'll use myself as an example. Ronald Jones was my RB2. Antonio Gibson was my ninth round pick. Basically, I'm picking between Antonio Gibson and James White. Uh, probably going Antonio Gibson there, but it's really close. I think Gibson, if you have to start him, I think it's fine, but you're kind of standing in the flames a little bit if you do. Yeah, that's about all I'd have to say about that backfield. See how Bryce Love's involved uh, outside mm-hmm. of that. Probably don't worry about it too much. For sure. Um, a backfield that I am worried about all the time, especially after today's news of Kareem Hunt's extension, is the Browns. Browns at Ravens. Uh, God, I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why Kareem Hunt's still there, but that's another another story for another time. Um, are you downgrading all these guys, Chubb, Beckham, Hunt, at all, given the matchup? I mean, obviously, um, the Ravens weren't the best defense in the NFL last year, but they're, they're pretty good, and they profiled pretty good again this year. Well, first, just let me say, I named Kareem Hunt as a bust. I did not believe that the front office and the coaching staff. Well, nobody thought he'd even. Much. Nobody thought he'd even be there this year, and it was only because he got in trouble. I don't really understand why he's now there for two more years at thirteen million, whatever. It's absurd, and I'm actually I don't own any shares of Chubb, but I, I'm worried for anybody who does because it, it just doesn't bode well that they gave him that contract extension, and there's probably going to be a lot more usage. Uh, but back to your question. All of these guys in my ratings were dropped a few points, especially Baker. Um, I The Ravens are so good, and I'm not going to bet against them yet. Their biggest issue last season was their linebacking core, and they added Patrick Queen, who I loved coming out of the mm-hmm. draft. Yeah, um, when they took him before the Chiefs, that was, uh, that was my, a tough one. That, that was my first like uh, palm meat forehead moment of the draft. So I would – I'm and I mean – they have great corners. They have Marcus Peters, who's probably going to match up with Beckham. Uh, the good news is we know Marcus Peters likes to try to snipe for the ball, not the player. So Beckham might have a couple opportunities to get over the top. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm taking some downgrades to the Browns overall offensively. Yeah, I have them all down a couple spots. So with Baker, that's more like uh, QB, like 15, 16, 17, somewhere in there. I'd have to look at my exact rankings. That probably would have been a smart thing to do. Oh, actually, QB 19. So I had him like at 15 draft time. He's down to 19. So I would not start Baker. Obviously, Chubb and Hunt and uh, – well, not Hunt. Uh, Chubb and Beckham and then probably Hunt. If you drafted Hunt, you're probably starting him. Chubb and Beckham, you're for sure starting him. I downgrade him a little bit, but I always hate li- – it always – I don't hate it, but it, it frustrates me when I hear other sh- like other shows I listen to, and I get it because we're doing it too, where it's like, you know, yeah – you got got lower your expectations with these guys, but it's like you know, that's not. You, there's no action you can take with that. You, you it just sucks sometimes when your guys are going in the matchups that you don't like. But at the same time, um, you want to guess who Nick Chubb's best game was against last year? Was it the Ravens? It was the Ravens. Uh, twenty carries for 165 yards and three touchdowns in that Week Four win against the Ravens. That was also my Week Four win over you in fantasy football last year. If you. Um, did not remember that one. So I guess all of that to say that, yes, just in rankings, if a guy has a matchup 
that can be a real problem, then you downgrade a little bit maybe. But at the same time, these guys are great players for a reason. They can have great games against absolutely anybody. But guys like Jarvis Landry, I'm probably avoiding. And Kareem Hunt, I would say I'd be very on the fence. If you have another option, I probably would feel more comfortable. Odds are with that option. On the other side, uh, Hollywood Brown. We know he has the week-to-week upside. He can easily win you your week at any time. But unless you went really receiver heavy and he's like your number one or two guy, he's like your wide receiver three or four probably. So for most teams, he's on the chopping block as far as start sit. Are, are you starting Hollywood this week? If I own it, I'm starting him. Uh, I, th- I think this is a player who every week gives you a game-winning potential where he can put up a 24- or 30-point game. Uh, just because of how he stretches the field. He's, the Liz Frank surgery supposedly went well. He's all healed up. Uh, we've talked about him all season. Shocking. Guy who has surgery, the team reports that it went well. Uh, but we've talked about it all <laughs> season. I love Hollywood. If you're looking at a situation where like, you have some guys who are downgrading like Beckham and Chubb, Hollywood's a great flex opportunity who can really make up those points, in my opinion. That's mm-hmm. kind of how you would uh, – shoot against the grain there. If you're trying to make up for points, you feel like you're going to lose from some of your studs. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then with JK Dobbins, I, I'm curious um, your thoughts on him because I, I'm just so, I'm so curious to see what, not his usage because it's just week one. He's just a rookie. We can't overreact either way, but I will say if he's used even more than we think, then that's a great sign. Otherwise, it's just kind of going to be a waiting game, but I'm just curious to see what he looks like if he truly does kind of step right into that Gus Edwards role. We all know he's a talented guy. Uh, Dalton, thoughts on this dude? If I turn on the Ravens game and J.K. Dobbins is returning punts, I'm going to drive to Baltimore, Maryland, and I'm going to have a good conversation with Jim Harbaugh about his or with Harbaugh about his decisions. John, uh, it's John. John. Sorry, the other Harbaugh about his decisions and how he uses guys. Um, the I know it's just the depth chart and it's some intern at Baltimore string. screwing with me, but putting him at fourth string under Justice Hill really hurt. I'm gonna <laughs> watch. I would expect as a as a guy who owns him and really likes him to get about ten touches this game, but I want to see what he does with those ten touches. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on, the Jets at Bills. Um, e Jets. Is there a single pass catcher? I mean, obviously we know that again. Like I mentioned with. Uh, some of the higher ranked guys, Le'Veon Bell, nothing actionable. You got to start him if you took him. So there's not really a whole lot to talk about there. But with the pass catchers, I mean, like Crowder, um, Chris Herndon, is there anybody else you're starting on this Jets offense? No, this is where the Josh Allen MVP train starts when the Bills shellack them. The over-under for this game is the lowest to the, the entire slate, which is 39 points. Uh, I could see the Bills scoring 39 points and the Jets scoring none. It's just going to be an absolute... It's going to be a horrible game to watch. Uh, the Bills' defense is going to suffocate. And Jamison Crowder is probably the wide receiver one, but he's matching up against Tredavious White, who has the third lowest rating when targeted. He's a great cornerback. He got paid like one. So you don't want him. The only guy I might be excited to start here because he's actually athletically good and not just going to get targets is Chris Herndon. I think I have Chris Herndon in my top 12 tight ends. That's an expectation that he's going to catch passes and he's athletically gifted enough that he could make something with those passes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two years ago, Sam Darnold, Darnold, Darnold loved to throw the ball uh, to Chris Herndon. Last year, Ryan Griffin was a love target. I think he's going to be the number two option in this offense between Jameson Crowder. So I would start Chris Herndon and nobody else this week. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think I'm with you there as well, especially obviously if you weigh it on tight end and Herndon is is your guy. I guess we're going to find out if the Zach Moss hype is real this week. I mean, not really. It's still a long way to go, but I'll be curious to see how those guys are deployed. You like the matchup for Singletary if he does get 80% of the opportunity, which I would lean more likely that that does happen than not in week one, just with Zach Moss being being a rookie. But Dalton, where do you have Singletary ranked this week? Well, let's look here. I think I have Singletary at a 20. Yeah, I have Singletary at 20. Yeah, so I have him um, at 18, so we're pretty similar there. And then I have Zach Moss rounding out uh, pretty low, actually, I believe. I don't have Moss in my top 40. I have Zach Moss at 39. So really, um, if you drafted Zach Moss, I wouldn't start him this week, but this is where I would really watch. Maybe those fumble issues carry over and put the Bills in a bad situation. Devin Singletary starts off on the wrong note, and Zach Moss truthers really get the the fun they're looking for. But no, don't start Zach Moss this week. Start Singletary, though, because he's definitely going to be the guy who gets the touches first. Yeah, I, I think Singletary could actually have a really big game this week if he as long as he's not fumbling and he gets the touches that i think he could be in line for because yeah i i'm with you i'm not saying the bills are scoring 39 points but i think this should be a pretty pretty easy win for the bills i'll go like 22 12 it's gonna be real gross 22 12 bills um now that a game that i think could be one of the low-key most exciting games of the day in raiders at panthers i don't think there's gonna be a there's a chance there's not a ton of defense played in this game uh, the CBS Fantasy Football Podcast, they have a term, uh, fantasy bonanza. They'll, they'll um, say a game as a bonanza every week where it's just going to be crazy high value. I think this could maybe be that game this week. I mean, the over-under is only 47, so there's games that are definitely higher. But am I wrong for thinking that like this could be a 31-28 to 28 type of game? No, neither defense is very talented. Um you know that both teams tried to invest, but most of their defense is rookies, so they're still going to be adjusting to the NFL level. Both teams have some pretty talented weapons. Uh, the big question mark for both teams is if their quarterbacks are going to take some chances downfield. Mm-hmm. Both Derek Carr and Teddy Bridgewater are two guys who have a pretty low average depth of target. Um, but I've seen fantasy analysts kind of trending both guys as people who could change that this year, that they've really been a victim of their circumstances and that this is a good opportunity for both of them to change it. DJ Moore can stretch the field. Mm-hmm. Brian Edwards, Henry Ruggs can stretch the field. Too bad Ian Thomas isn't playing because he can stretch the field. But Curtis Samuel, if they involve him differently. Oh, Ro- Robbie Anderson. Yeah, Robbie Anderson. Um, so there's just so many weapons, so many deep threats in this game. And bad defense is going to lead to some good offense, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, CMC, obviously number one back, number one player in fantasy this week. Uh, Josh Jacobs, I think there is a, I'll say like 40% chance. Like I think there's a pretty decent chance like he can end up being like a top two or three play this week. I don't have him ranked that way, but I think he's got real high upside this week against that team uh, especially. And then, yeah, you mentioned with, with rugs, you're really just hoping for a big play. And then Edwards, it's just wait and see at this point. Those guys are more DraftKings. Uh, uh, dart throws than anything if this but if this is a shootout and, and let's say okay let's say for DraftKings, if this is a shootout outside of those man guys you know dj moore darren waller and the running backs 
any of those position guys stand out to you as like that's my dart throw um and, and daily this week yeah well and you already know the answer to this for me but it's brian edwards mm-hmm. i love brian edwards he's so young he he profiles really similar to what juju did he was 17 in his first game in south carolina where he went over 100 yards in the sec i'm pretty sure i talked about this on a previous podcast um but uh brian edwards is incredibly talented is going to play the x really a big beneficiary of tyrell williams being injured uh and not playing the entire season because he's going to get that entire role. And mm-hmm. if Derek Carr just, you know, drops some wood for once in his life and throws the ball downfield, Brian Edwards could really benefit from it. If he doesn't, Brian Edwards is going to be a guy who's going to be a great should have been story. But if Derek Carr just does what he needs to do, Brian Edwards could have a pretty good game. Yeah, see, I'm going to take Ruggs because he he needs he needs uh, Derek Carr less uh, to to step outside of himself and and throw deep because. That guy could take a jet sweep 80 yards for a touchdown. He can take a short ball 80 yards for a touchdown. So if I'm picking a dart throw there, I, I like rugs. Maybe we'll talk about that more with the DraftKings lineups later on. But I think this could be a fun game, a fun game to watch. It'll probably be it's a late game. So it might be one of those games where red zone is like back at this game, like every three minutes. Uh, I could definitely see that happening. Yeah, um, and I'm, I'm excited to see what Teddy Bridgewater looks like in this offense with Matt Rule that everybody thinks is going to be more explosive uh, mm-hmm. than a lot of people are, are thinking it's going to be. Yep, absolutely. And on to a game that I also feel pretty good about being pretty explosive, although you never know. The Seahawks and Falcons are both a little bit weird sometimes, but Seahawks at Falcons. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts are on Todd Gurley because the way I look at it is any concerns about Gurley are purely season long like if he's active he's healthy he's not only starting he's probably a top 12 to 14 running back right at least that's how i feel about it well i think we might feel a little different on Gurley. um yeah i need to see a couple of things in this game to really believe in him if you draft him you're obviously starting him i have him ranked as rb 18 uh but this game especially kind of hurts it to me the Seahawks, according to Pro Football Focus, have the best linebacking core in the NFL, which is really going to prevent him from getting to the next level. I think that they don't have a good pass defense, however, and that this is an offense that could really pass their way into some good situations. It then depends to me whether or not Gurley's really involved in the passing game. And I need to, I just really need the coach speak and Gurley to line up. <laughs> if he's getting 80% of the reps, then you really hit on value with him. If he's not, and Brian Hills all of a sudden in passing downs, and you know you want to throw your remote at your, your TV, uh, then Gurley might not be as big of a hit. But this is a game where if he's getting, I'm going to watch his reps. I don't think he's going to really hit, uh, you know, a top twelve performance. But if he's getting eighty percent of the snaps, I would feel really comfortable about leaving him in my RP, RB two all season. Yeah, I've got him at RB fourteen. I feel very comfortable with that. I like you will be watching the past game usage to see what that's like. We've talked about this ad nauseum, but that was really where he got cut back last year um, in LA was the passing game, not the running game. That was how they, they load managed him. Uh, So the speak, obviously Matt Ryan always a solid play at home. You know about Julio. Um, I'm waiting a week on Hayden Hurst Dalton. Uh, How about you? Uh, I never even got the Hayden Hurst hype. I know. (laughs) Well, me either, but if I did, I would still wait a week. I know there are people out there who saw the the Dirk Cutter quote, quote where he said he looks great running the seam and yada, yada, yada. I mean, this is a guy who was in one of the most tight and heavy offenses last year and made a good roll out of it. If you're expecting him to come in and do what Hooper did, I would be very surprised for that to occur. I'm waiting a week on him. I Just to reference back, I'd rather start 
uh, Chris Herndon over Hayden Hurst. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I was never a big Hurst guy. He was not a tight end that I was targeting in the draft by any means. Calvin Ridley, I have him at 20, which is about where I had him uh, draft time. I know he was such a popular breakout pick, though, um, among a lot of people before this season. If he were to break out, I guess what what signs should we be watching for in, in this game with Calvin Ridley that maybe the breakout is actually he's already broken out, but you know what I mean, like top fourteen guy, like season long. What should we be watching for here? That's a tough question. Just like you, I have him at twenty one, so we're pretty close in where we think he's going to land. Mm-hmm. I mean, really having him at twenty one and twenty is already you know putting him ahead of where he was last season. I know everybody thinks that last year Ridley was a complete phenom. He didn't beat a thousand yards. He's not even had a thousand yard receiving season yet. So I'm just going to watch to see that he can really. Uh, to be fair, he missed some games, but yeah, yeah. But I need to see him really put the pedal to the metal here. I need to see consistent catches. I need to see consistent usage. Uh, I know he's not as talented, but if Russell Gage is getting in some of the two wide sets and Ridley's on the sideline, I would be concerned there. That's probably where I start. And then I end with what kind of routes he's running. Is he going to play predominantly out of the slot this year, like a lot of people think? Or is he still going to be playing out the outside next to Julio? Um, Those are some things I would watch for. Yeah, and... Really, the number one thing to watch for is is Julio, right? Because I mean, like, if Julio still looks like himself, I think this is still a Nolan Void. Like, it's it's Julio's offense until he says otherwise. Yeah, and if Julio Jones finally figures out what the red zone is, oh I my don't god! Think I don't think it's his <laughs> fault. To be clear, I think it's the other people involved um, who need to figure out what Julio Jones is in the red zone. Well, if you if you drafted Julio Jones and this is the year he finally regresses and gets twelve touchdowns and you got him in round two, you're gonna have a great year. Um, yeah, no, I I'll never forget. I Julio's never been a high touchdown guy, but I had Julio. I've only had him one time, and I had him the year where he was like at least the top ten, maybe even higher, like top eight. He was an he was a wide receiver one through eight weeks without a single touchdown catch. He didn't have a single touchdown through eight weeks. I think he finished with like his usual six, but we'll see. Maybe, may, may, maybe the Falcons will finally decide. Uh, no, they probably won't. Screw it. He's been in the league long enough. It's probably just never going to happen. Um, with the Seahawks, pretty much nothing has changed there since they were drafted. Um, you're starting Russ, Lockett, and DK Metcalf. I will say what I will be looking for there. Metcalf, and I think this is really my theme for week one. Um, with a lot of these guys is watching these younger guys, seeing if they look different than the year before, seeing if we think they look like more complete players. Metcalf is probably the prime example of that because for as good as he was last year, and we've talked about this, he was very good at what he did. He didn't do a lot of different things. So like if Metcalf is all of a sudden like a complete receiver, then that could change some things in, in Seattle. Dalton, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, if the Falcons look at the tape last year and start locking down Metcalf in the deep post route, the outside curl routes, the routes he was really successful on, and he can't get away from that, you're going to have a tough season uh, as a guy who would have drafted him in the fourth or fifth round because that's really his bread and butter. Now, if he comes into the NFL this year and he's running all of his routes to perfection or at least running them effectively, he's he's a matchup nightmare. Uh, so I agree with you on that. For me, uh, I just, I'm going to watch if Russ Cooks I'm a very happy NFL fan. I'm a very unhappy Kansas City Chiefs fan and a very unhappy guy who didn't draft Russ. But if this is the year that they finally you know, forget about running the ball 20 times no matter what and just let Russ play football, 
Uh, it's going to be a very fun and very fantasy happy roster. I can tell you who else will be unhappy. Eli Beery, who took Chris Carson in the second round of both of our drafts. So Eli is hoping that the running the ball continues there. Um, on the Chargers at the Bengals, um, AJ Green is going to be a full go in week one. I know he's a guy that we have not had high confidence in for a lot of this offseason. If you have AJ Green, uh, what are you doing with him week one? It, it just doesn't feel right not starting AJ Green when he's a full go. Well, I know they lost Derwin James, but the the Los Angeles Chargers still have a very talented secondary. They have Verrett and they have Chris Harris. AJ Green's going to have a bit of a matchup nightmare for whoever guards him. Uh, so there's still that. It's a rookie quarterback. You know, if you got AJ Green in the seventh round, you might flex him and feel comfortable about it. But I'd rather uh, pivot towards a Hollywood Brown or a Will Fuller in this situation because AJ Green is one misstep away from limping off the field and not playing mm-hmm. the rest of the game. I wouldn't start him. I just don't know what the offense even looks like. Zach Taylor never got to use him last year. Uh, Joe Burrow seems more familiar with Auden Tate from all the camp reports than AJ Green. So it's just really. Well, that's because nobody was practicing the whole time. And that concerns me. With a rookie quarterback, you want some familiarity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think he and and Boyd are probably just stayaways for me this week. I mean, Boyd's probably pretty safe in the grand scheme of things, but you mentioned the defense. We think their defense is going to be pretty good. They've got good personnel, even without Derwin James. Um, And then you just have the unpredictability of Joe Burrow. But I will say Joe Burrow, I mentioned earlier, I was going to talk about my beat the waiver wire guy. If you have that roster flexibility to pick up a guy to you know drop somebody who you just you shouldn't be holding before this week's games, I mean Burrow's a guy that if he has a good game this week, he's a quarterback, so he probably won't be the top ad, but he'll be a very popular ad if he um, has a good game this week. And if you don't get him before that happens, you're gonna spend big fab. And do you really want to spend big fab on a quarterback? So I'll just say if you want any chance of Joe Burrow on your team, probably go get him right now. If not, then, you know, he's a rookie quarterback. Who knows what's going to happen with him? I will say nobody in your league is going to want Joe Burrow after this game. I think Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa are going to get just great looks at Joe Burrow. It's still not a great offensive line. Um, But if I was watching the game, and this is going to be team watch the tape, not team look at the stats, look at how Joe Burrow handles the pressure. He's more of a rusher than people believe. Yep, that was one of his big strengths in college was extending plays. Uh, but I will say, you know, he gets on a short week. He plays the Browns next week. You're probably not going to roster him that game. But then he gets the Eagles and the Jags. So those are two games, especially the Jags, where you can see some good value coming out of him as a quarterback. So I would agree with you that you might want to w- watch how he plays and maybe you roster him if you have that free spot. We're getting so close to your schedule analysis actually making more sense to me, Dalton. We're when almost the Jags, there. When not the Jags quite. suck and I'm right, I'm going to just love that. I never said they weren't going to suck. I never said that, but I'm just I'm just saying. Um, okay, Chargers, I think this is pretty bland and straightforward. It's Eckler. It's Keenan Allen. Maybe you're watching how Joshua Kelly looks because I do think he might have a role between the tackles. So maybe you're watching that. But if you took Eckler, you took Keenan Allen, you're starting them. Obviously, no Mike Williams. So you're he's not even on rosters in anybody's leagues. I guess Hunter Henry. You're starting Hunter Henry, too. Just I don't feel great about it. Like I don't really feel great about Keenan Allen, I guess. But you're starting Hunter Henry if you've got him. Dalton, anything else to add on, on those three guys? Uh, not really. I will say we got a little listener hate from my ranking of Hunter Henry. I have him at 15th this week, which a lot of people wow. feel is pretty low. Okay, so you're uh, saying don't start uh, Hunter Henry. 
No. Uh, and you drafted him to be a starter, and this sucks for you. Uh, but Tyrod Taylor, not you, Evan, but whoever did, uh, Tyrod Taylor Thanks. just historically doesn't have a, a history of throwing to the tight end. I think in his career, he has 70 total pass attempts towards the tight end. So you're risking that. Is Hunter Henry going to stay healthy the whole game? What's the offense look like? I think the Bengals defense is a little better than they're getting credit for as well. And this game is going to be closer than a lot of people think on paper. And it's probably going to be a low scoring affair. So mm -hmm. I just don't have a lot of hype on that one. Uh, Chris Herndon, Jonu Smith, TJ Hawkinson, Mike Kosecki. I think they're all better starts than Hunter mm -hmm. Henry. Yep. No, I'm, I, I think I'm with you. Uh, I, I'm, I'm halfway with you. I'll put it that way. I, I have Hunter Henry as a top 10 play, but I don't, feel great about it because like, I, I I just don't feel great about really anybody in that situation um, until we see it, until I'm proven otherwise. But, um, okay, now probably to the game, I would say the vast, the, the average fan is probably most excited about Tampa Bay at New Orleans. Um, the number one story, fantasy-wise, is far from the number one real-life story, and it is the Tampa Bay backfield. Um, Ronald Jones is the, I guess I'll say, quote-unquote, starting running back as far as the debt chart goes. But the question is, do we buy that? And more importantly, do we buy that he's going to actually have the workload that you would think would go along that and a guy that you'd be willing to start in fantasy if you, if you needed to? Let me just say this. Last year, I fell for Bruce Arians' hype. I listened to the coach speak, and I thought Rojo was going to be great. I was wrong. This year. I listened to Bruce Arians hype he up. Was actually, he, was, he was actually pretty good when he got to play. He, when he got to play. Bruce Arians ensured us he was going to play. Uh, and this year, it's the same boat where Bruce Arians told us that Ronald Jones is the guy. And then just today, you had him saying Leonard Fournette's going to get a considerable amount of work. Um, it's just such a shy away backfield at this point. I'm going to see what happens. I'm, I had Rojo's one of my guys. I'm not yeah, as confident. We both that. Did. Yeah, we both did. I'm not as confident in that anymore because as much as we don't like Leonard Fournette, he still is a average running back, uh, probably better than the old LaShawn McCoy and Keyshawn Vaughn on this offense. He's mm -hmm. probably going to put up some competition when it comes to that starting job. It's a 1A, 1B situation. And I really, I don't know how to read the tea leaves here. I don't know if you have any insight into it that I might. Not. Yeah, no. What I would say is you just really have to go into it with your eyes wide open. You have to be basically willing to accept any outcome that could come of this because, and it's, we're not going to figure it out this week because, you know, Fournette has hardly been there. Maybe Ronald Jones comes out and gets 80% of the carries this week. That does not mean that he is the guy that's going to be doing that the whole season. And it doesn't mean that he's not going to be doing that the whole season. You're just if you, if if you're going to hold on to, to both of these guys really on your roster, you just have to be willing to be patient with it. You have to be in it for the long haul. And I mean, you, you're going to have to go through a lot of ups and downs if you're watching Bruce Arians speak about these guys on a on a weekly basis. Um, know, maybe if Rojo has a big week, you can try and trade him away if you don't if you just don't want any part of it. Um, but I would suspect maybe your league mates might see through that a little bit, but. That's just a tough situation, and we didn't obviously get to talk about Fournette when it happened because that was after our pod. So, unfortunate, that's where he went. Both Rojo fans and just not happy about that in general. As for the rest of the Bucks, I think the next guy we wonder about is Gronk, right? I mean, Gronk is a guy that 
was drafted as a, a starting tight end. Dalton, that was a pretty serious eye roll when I when I said the name. Uh, I'm assuming you're not starting Gronk this week. I mean, I have OJ Howard ranked at my tight end 18. I don't have Gronk ranked. Uh, last year, I, I, I have him back to back, like 18, 19 in my ranks. Last year, I was one of the guys who beat the drum that Bruce Arians doesn't use tight ends in his offense, and everybody said, well, he has a very talented tight end in O.J. Howard. That's going to change. They were what, I, what, what I will say is I will just – I'm not saying you're wrong. I will just be curious to see if this is a Tom Brady offense or a Bruce Arians offense. It's just a lot – it's a little different um, when it's Jameis Winston and you can control the offense completely. Yeah, I, I'm still going to lean towards uh, Bruce Arians as the one who's calling the shots here, him and Byron Leftwich. But then at the same time, there were camp reports that Gronk wasn't able to run the full series because he got gassed and Bruce Arians was the one telling him to stay on the field. And I'm team Gronk is a big, he's supposed to be a big guy. He's not big anymore. He made his worth, he made his worth pushing and bullying wide receivers. I mean, sorry, DBs off the field. He was he probably, a, he probably bullied you and Elman a couple of times too. Elman yeah, looked like yeah. a guy that deserves to be bullied. But he was a matchup nightmare, and now I'm supposed to believe that he's just like some crisp route-running savant who's going to just run the perfect route that Tom Brady <laughs> nails him. I just don't buy it. You know, uh, at the end of the day, he's probably the fourth, maybe the fifth option on this offense in receiving terms if he's on the field for those receptions. So I just, mm-hmm. I'm just not about it. If you drafted yeah. Gronk, I think you're you're. You you need to seriously reevaluate what you think about fantasy football because I don't think he's a, a guy you should roster. Well, as to here's what I'll say: I still think season long Gronk. I had him as I think my tenth tight end. I think season long he could still have value. Again, it's a as we talked about a major dart throw. But am I starting him this week? Absolutely not. No chance am I starting uh, Gronk this week for a lot of the reasons you mentioned and just the fact that this is his first game in. Over a year, I mean, the the terrible Super Bowl against the Rams, that was the last time we saw Gronk on on a football field. So I just want to see what he looks like. I want to see if he actually is interested in playing football or if he's just back to be back. Um, And I want to wait and see um, what he looks like week one. And what I will say is this could turn out to be really stupid. He could play 20 snaps, but catch a touchdown. And that pretty much guarantees that he was worthy of a start that week. But I'm just going to be playing the probability game with this one. On the flip side, I do have Jared Cook clear up at 11. So the other tight end, uh, much less heralded, maybe out there in your league. I have Jared Cook ranked 11th, higher than his draft spot. I think this is a game that has shootout potential. I like. I, I, I don't mind Cook this week. And then for the rest of the Saints, I mean, you start Breeze, you start Michael Thomas, you start Kamara, you wait on Emmanuel Sanders and kind of see what that situation looks like. There's not really... A ton of intrigue, right, on that Saints offense, like to to watch for outside of maybe does Kamara look healthy? Yeah, I would be interested to see if Emmanuel Sanders is running as the full wide receiver too, or if Quinn is getting some looks there too. Uh, and I'm interested to see if this is the year that they finally run two wide receivers effectively and that both of them are fantasy viable. Uh, but you're not going to know that out of week one, anyways. I will say, I know you think this one has shootout potential, but I'm curious to see if these two old guys still have it in them. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they're they're in their 40s. It's just a great story to watch them on the field. I do think this is probably going to be the best game of football played, not necessarily for fantasy purposes, but it's just going to be very entertaining. A lot of good matchups going on, a lot of good scheming going on by two good coaches. It's probably going to be one of the closer games that comes down to a nail biter uh, and two division opponents who both could be representing their division in the Super Bowl. 
it's either going to be a close game or the Saints are going to blow them out. That would be my that that's how I kind of see this one. Um, okay, we've got I think four more games left. We can kind of speed through some of these just so we can get the DraftKings talk real quick. We're going probably a little long longer than we planned on, I'm sure, but that's okay. It's week one. We are all very excited. Uh, Cardinals at 49ers. Uh, apparently, this line is different depending on where you look. Uh, 49ers minus seven is what I have typed down. The first question, and really the most important question in this game to me, is are we downgrading all of these Cardinals guys? Because if there's ever a defense to downgrade against in week one, it's probably this one, right? It is, um, and I did downgrade everybody. I've already been low. You've heard me talk about DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I have him as wide receiver 10, which I still feel like is a little high this season. The only guy I'm not downgrading is Kenyon Drake. I have him. That's interesting because he's the guy that took by far the biggest downgrade in my ranks. Last year, he had his break. His first game was against the Niners, and he just killed him. Uh <laughs> I think that he's still in a good position to smash his value just because I think that the offensive line blocking is very good. I am interested to see if the Cardinals go back to what they did the first four weeks where they ran a very, very up-tempo offense or if they slow back down to the NFL norm like they did the other 12 games. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's been a lot of questions whether that was a personnel decision or a coaching decision. So that's really what I'm watching for. But I, I, you know, I don't feel comfortable really starting anybody on the Cardinals offense. You're going to start your studs. You're going to start Murray. You're going to start Drake. You're going to start Hopkins. uh, But I wouldn't start Kirk at the very least. Yeah, I've got Kyler cleared down at QB 11. Again, I'm not saying don't start him, but I am just saying that I don't feel great about it uh, in, in this matchup. Hopkins, I have at wide receiver six. So he's the one that took the the smallest downgrade for me. And I think that's really just because outside out, like it's the, like I've talked about, it's those top five receivers and he's fifth for me as far as draft ranks. And after that, it gets a little scary. So I just think that he is still a guy that I trust. And he just got paid today, by the way, um, two years, what 57.4 million. I think it was, it's the um, highest non QB contract in the NFL. So um, not that that really matters for this, but I, He's the guy that took the lowest downgrade. Drake, I have cleared down at RB19, and it, it just scares me playing against that that front seven. Um, and especially, again, I don't like to, to get into the whole game flow thing too often, but I could definitely see this game getting away from the Cardinals and you worry about Drake a little bit, maybe in that scenario. And you like maybe Hopkins in that scenario if that were to happen as well. Obviously, I don't know. I, I, obviously, it's so tough predicting that stuff week one because who knows? The Cardinals could have taken just this big step to a new level that we just didn't anticipate. But for now, just color me a little bit nervous on those guys. Um, on the Niners side of things, I think we both have uh, George Kill number one, and that is different from my Kelsey number one season long. But we mentioned before the pod, this matchup was just so nice um, for tight ends last year. I don't think it's going to be that nice, but Still a good matchup for tight ends until proven otherwise, I think. And then, you know, Debo, Brandon Ayuk, those guys are still banged up. We don't really know if they're going to play and if they do at what capacity. So I think Kittle is going to get all the work he can handle. He should have a huge game. And then just as far as the rest of that offense goes, we're watching to see what happens in that backfield, but we don't know week to week. And then how long do we wait on Debo? You're not playing Debo week one, but if he looks good week one, maybe he's a play week two already. Yeah, well, I will say I'm actually more excited about Brandon Ayuk at this point. There was a report that came out from a beat writer who said that just the way they were utilizing Ayuk in preseason camp was a lot different than what they did with Debo last year. 
I think there might be some some feelings in local reporters from San Francisco that the front office likes Ayuk more. Uh, Debo's still incredibly talented, but we might have ourselves a real wide receiver one, wide receiver two fantasy viable situation coming out of San Francisco. The reports on these guys are both pretty positive. Uh, and Ayuk, everybody knows, was a rack monster at Arizona State and could do it again in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, which is, it's funny you say that they use or plan on using him very differently because we'll see because they're very similar players, um, Debo and, and, and Ayuk for sure. Um, all right. Um, on the Cowboys and Rams, Johnny, I want to bring you back in because I think this is the game that I have the toughest time pegging just as far as like looking at the line. Um, Cowboys minus two. So our gambling savant, Cowboys minus two. Who are you taking in this? Uh, I like Cowboys minus two. That's where I'm at. I don't really know what other info you want besides that. No, I was I was curious. I I just want wanted to hear who you liked because I'm just trying to envision how all these games how I think they could go. And this one, just because the Rams are such an unknown, um, it's just a real wild card for me. But Dalton, um, the Amari Cooper uh, Jalen Ramsey matchup. I take it you want to talk about that. How do you feel about Cooper going against that guy this week? Well. And I, I really am curious about your opinion on this because I know you have him at a league. But Amari Cooper was one of those guys who seemed to be more matchup dependent than other of the top wide receivers. Uh, I have Amari Cooper ranked at nine, which I feel like might be a little high considering his matchup against Ramsey this week. I just want to know what your opinions on that were and if you feel comfortable going into that. I mean, I have Cooper seven, so even even higher than you. Uh, I'm not sure. Sh- like, I think Ramsey's really good, but. I'm not sure if because I don't really feel great about the rest of their secondary. I'm not sure if just Ramsey's enough cause for me to seriously downgrade uh, a top ten uh, pre-draft guy like Cooper too much. I think they're going to move Cooper around plenty, and we'll see if they move Ramsey with them. They've got enough talent in their receivers with Lamb and Gallup that maybe Ramsey just patrols one side of the field. You can move him the slot, uh, maybe free him up a little bit there. So that is kind of what. I wouldn't. I won't say anticipating. That's what I am hoping for as a Cooper owner, and I think would be the smart thing for them to do. That 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 makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think this is a game where Michael Gallup just establishes himself to the NFL and really shows the league that he's a wide receiver one. Uh, I'm really excited. I I hope uh, as a guy who owns Noah Mark Cooper that Jalen Ramsey shadows Cooper and Gallup gets all the sweet looks this season. <laughs> I'll trade you Michael Gallup right now on the pod for uh, Jalen Rieger. <laughs> Hard pass. Um, the new look Rams, uh, as you as you're calling them, and really that is that's in the running backs. I mean, no Gurley. We're gonna have a lot going on in that running backfield. Um, we've talked about jet depth charts. Cam Akers currently the third guy in that depth chart. Read into that what you will, which I, I'm not really sure you can read much into it, but. I don't know what what are you watching for out of that team because it just feels like there's so many unknowns with the running backs, how many tight ends are going to be on the field. It just all gives me a headache every time I think about it. Well, that's really what I'm watching for the most is the tight end situation. Um, they declined a lot of trade offers for Gerald Everett, which might be a, an indication from their front office and coaching staff that they're going to go uh 12 personnel more often which means josh reynolds and van jefferson probably don't have any upside when it comes to fantasy this season uh but if they come out and they're still running the the 11 personnel sets like they have in seasons past all of a sudden reynolds and jefferson are back up there and i think higby takes a pretty good hit uh so that's really what i'm watching for is what personnel they utilize the most i don't want to i don't even want to try to 
prophesize what this backfield's going to look like. I'm just going to wait for it. A, a Cam Akers is going as high as the fourth round right now, and I really hope people who are drafting him know for a fact that's going to happen. Earlier in the season, they wanted to look like the Niners. Now all of a sudden, Cam Akers is a feature back. I'm not going to try to separate the coach speak from the reality. Yeah, and I think we all kind of knew that this is what the depth chart was going to look like. Um, maybe not him third string, but just it was going to be a jumbled mess coming into week one. I hope that Dale Henderson plays this week. I think he's going to. They say they're optimistic he will. Because really, I mean, Malcolm Brown, he's just kind of there. The battle that interests me is Akers versus Henderson. Who looks better? Who's getting used how? Um, so if those guys are both playing, I, I will be watching that. Maybe Malcolm Brown is the most involved guy early in the season, and it doesn't really matter. But long term, those are the two guys kind of vying for position in that backfield. And I'll just say I don't feel too bad about taking Henderson in the 11th round of of our draft because I do think he could return value at some point this season. Yeah, I'm probably on team. Wait on Cam Akers and take the cheaper back. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the rest of the Cowboys outside of the receivers, I mean, I- I- anybody else to hit? I mean, we're, we're, we're starting Zeke. We're, we're starting Dak. Um, I guess Blake Jarwin. Uh, any any love for, for Mr. Jarwin at tight end this week? I mean, this is just another one of those wait and sees for me. Uh, I probably wouldn't start him. I know that there are analysts in the biz who really love Blake Jarwin. I'm talking about fantasy footballers, but Mike the Hitman, right? Mike the Hitman loves him. Yeah, but he's not in my top 20 this week. Um, I'm not even sure where I ranked him, to be honest with you. Uh, he's not in my top 20 either, actually. So, yeah, I wouldn't start him. All right. Yeah, fair enough. I, I agree. I'm with you. We'll We'll be late to the... Blake Jarwin hype it if there is any that comes out of it this year. On to another NFC East team and the Giants. We are officially to the Monday night football slate. Uh, Steelers at Giants. What are you going to be looking for in, in this game with, with Big Ben Dalton? Because he kind of quietly to me is one of the most interesting guys just from a real football standpoint entering this season. If Big Ben comes out and looks like Peyton Manning and Phillip Rivers, all of my Juju Smith-Schuster shares <laughs> and all of the debates I've been in are just absolutely trashed. There is news that Big Ben looked great in camp for what it's worth. Uh, it's, it's worth nothing, though. Brooke way. Pryor said he looked great, and she covered the Chiefs before that. Have, so maybe I, I have a question. Have you ever heard of a Hall of Fame quarterback? Have you ever heard of a reporter saying, oh, that, that guy just looks absolutely washed in camp? I have no. not. Um, <laughs> Don't. What are, have, what are his camp stats? How many interceptions? They didn't release. I actually looked this up before the pod. They didn't release any camp stats, or I couldn't (laughs) find any on the interwebs about Big Ben. I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign for you. But I think they're holding back on his stats because I heard his deep ball in camp was just a thing of beauty. Uh, But I'm just going to see if he can. The Steelers should handle the Giants pretty effectively, in my opinion. The line is three and a half, and I think that it could. I would probably bet that pretty easily. Uh, if it's a healthy Big Ben, I think they run away with the game. If it's not, then I have lost several bets this season, and I will sink my money in that hole early in the season. <laughs> yeah, with Big Ben, the number one thing is I'm just, I just want to see how that arm looks, how the arm strength looks. And, you know, can he make all the throws uh, like he used to be able to? And then number two, I mean, I'm going to be watching his chemistry with the others, the the non-Juju guys, the, you know, Deontay Johnson. I guess Eric Ebron, Chase Claypool, because he's never played with any of those guys, really. So I just kind of want to see what that looks like uh, as well. And then 
Um, with the trio of guys on the Giants, uh, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, and Darius Slayton, all pretty close in ADP. I'll tell you, me personally, what I'm what I'm really looking for is I'm going to be watching Darius Slayton this week and the first couple of weeks pretty closely. I want to see if he's used as anything more than just a deep guy this year because that's pretty much what he was last year. And obviously, it's well known Daniel Jones didn't play a single snap with his entire core of of guys healthy at one time. So that'll be new this year as well. I want to see if he has more in his uh, route running uh, repertoire than just the deep ball. It, Cause if he does, you could really have something. Cause to me, golden Tate, you know what that, you know what he is. He's a, a low ceiling, uh, high floor, highish floor, medium floor, medium floor. I'm getting lower every time I think about it. He's a PPR guy that if you have to absolutely, find a flex you know you can go to him sterling shepherd if he's healthy he's the best one he just never is and then obviously evan ingram um he's he's the tight end six for me this week i had him way down at 11 for season long he's healthy this week i'm playing him but dalton those three receivers is there anything you're specifically looking for out of those guys i think that sterling shepherd finally has a chance to really solidify himself as a nfl caliber wide receiver one Surprise to me is he's never had a thousand yard game or career. Sorry, uh, a thousand yard game would be a major shock. Uh, but he's entering. You know, this is fourth year, fifth year in the NFL. I think this is really his year to prove to the Giants that he can do what they need him to do. Uh, so I want to see how they utilize him. I think he should be the guy getting the better looks. Uh, but really, it comes down to his health. But I do think he's the best out of that that pool of players. I think he has the best route tree. Um, but like you said, if he can't stay healthy, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Jones, I just want to go on the record. I am not starting him this week. No chance. Dalton, are you starting Daniel Jones in any league format, whatever, this week? If I entered 700 DraftKings lineups, I might put Daniel Jones in one of those. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, I do not think that you have to worry about Saquon Barkley this week. Tough defense. I have him ranked as my RB2. Dalton, where do you have him? I have Saquon ranked as my RB2. Okay, so short conversation there. Titans at Broncos. Obviously, the Von Miller news kind of changes things just from how that game might go. But as far as the fantasy implications here, um, the quarterbacks, and really for me, I could care less about Tannehill. He just is what he is at this point. Um, Drew Locke. What I'm going to be looking for out of Drew Locke is I hope the training wheels are off. I hope he throws the ball downfield a little bit more and they kind of let loose and get away from the run, 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 run first offense that won them some games last year. Uh, Dalton, how about you? Well, I'm a little surprised you said we know what Tannehill is. I mean, the second half of last year, he blew away real stats, real efficient stats. He was the most efficient quarterback and fantasy he was qb3 the second half of the season yeah i just i, mean, I i'm not a believer that that's gonna re- even remotely continue I'm, i mean that's something i would watch for if you're a person who took a late quarterback and you're willing to be one of the rotational uh quarterbacking teams this is a guy who you know might just be undervalued because of his history mm-hmm. uh, so i'm watching that uh obviously i'm gonna watch drew lock uh pff had a great article that was 32 stats you need to know. And the one was Drew Locke had a really deep A dot in college. Uh, and obviously on this podcast, I've been a very anti Drew Locke guy because of his average depth of target is so low in the NFL. So if he blows the cap off it, if 
Vic Fangio learns how to coach an offense, it could be very exciting to watch. Yeah, and I think you're starting Melvin Gordon. If you drafted him, you've got to start him. I have him ranked about where I had him ranked as a as a draft pick, RB17. Uh, as far as Jerry Judy goes, really, it's the same with all these rookies in that it's going to take a lot more than just one game for me to feel remotely confident in him. But, I mean, hey, this guy is such an explosive talent that one big game on this big stage, I mean, that at least league-wide in your own league, his trade stock might like go through the roof after one week. Yeah, and he's also going to be a big beneficiary of the K.J. Hamler injury. We don't know if K.J. Hamler is going to be playing, and everybody thought he was the wide receiver three here. So we could be seeing more two tight end, uh, two wide receiver sets. Mm-hmm. Jake Butt also made the roster, so – I think that that's part of an indication of how they might have to play this game just because they are a little thin at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, Noah Fant, I'd start that guy. Obviously, you're starting Derrick Henry. Adrian Brown, you're starting. I'm curious to see if his all-time efficient season continues from last year. Something tells me it won't, but still uh, an A.J. Brown fan in fantasy this year. Dalton, anything else to add on this game before some real quick DraftKings talk to close us out? Not in particular. Uh, the loss of Von Miller really hurts the Broncos. Right now, at the recording of this pod, we have the Broncos favored by one and a half. If that's still the case, I'm probably going to take the Titans to cover that. I think they're the better team even when Von Miller was on the field, but now I think they're definitely just going to bully them in the trenches. All right, so we we decided... we Originally, we were going to um, predict the lines of some of these games, or all these games, but we kind of decided to go with some DraftKings talk, and basically, we're just going to enter DraftKings contests every week, and I joked that maybe we could just compare money one um, each week on the podcast that could perhaps get a little bit depressing, depending when on we're how all zero. <laughs> when we're all below zero. So we'll just... Uh, I, th- I think we'll just go by points scored every week, or if someone has a big money week, we can talk about that but i think there's there's a lot of daily players out there so i think this will just be a fun thing to do every week uh i'll go ahead and start i mentioned the game i'm looking at is uh the raiders at carolina i've got teddy bridgewater i've got uh dj moore i've got that stack i've got josh jacobs add in there as well i came really close to henry ruggs as a as another guy in that game couldn't afford it i went big with george kill at tight end instead uh Dalton who do you have at quarterback and did you did you make a stack this week and if so with what team yeah well and you and I kind of talked about it off off a uh, pod but we both really like the Raiders Panthers game so I went ahead and stacked the Raiders you stacked the Panthers I took Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs and then I also have Brian Edwards I'm doing a double stack there I have James White just because I think he's the he's a cheap play he's gonna get me some points against Miami and then I was able to pay up for Julio Jones I think he's in a good spot. And DJ Moore, then at tight end, I went with Dawson Knox just because I think the Bills are going to score enough points that he might have some touchdown upside there, and he was a cheap value. And then at my flex, I went with Jonathan Taylor um, because he's cheap, and I think he has top five potential depending on how they use him. I thought, you, my, sort of, I thought you went with Jonathan Taylor just because you had to have him in literally every lineup. That I do have him in week. Every lineup I'm, I'm using. And then I have the Colts defense. I think they're going to just molly wop the Jags. Which Forrest Buckner <laughs> is going to make uh, Gardner Minshew's day horrible. Mm-hmm. We will be tweeting these out too. So if you're listening, no need to write them down. I'll give you my six. <laughs> no need to write them down. Don't drive off the side of the road, please. <laughs> please don't drive off the side of the road. 
Uh, okay, I'll go through the rest of my guys in a minute. Johnny, uh, uh, let, let's kick it to you here at quarterback. Who'd you go with, and did you stack that quarterback with a receiver or a running back? I did. Uh, I stacked Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. Uh, oh, so I really spin up on Michael Thomas. The, yeah, spin up on Michael Thomas. Hefty penny for him. Uh, I just think like the Saints and Tampa Bay games just give me a shootout and just just a game I'm like really looking forward to. Just like sitting down and watching the whole game and not like having like a freeloader on like red zone. I want like on a side TV to like just watch every snap. Uh also have like carry on Johnson, Terry McLaurin, uh Mark Andrews and like the Ravens defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I I went with I mentioned Josh Jacobs at running back already. Uh Mark Ingram, I was surprised uh with his price tag at fifty five hundred. I think that already has some JK Dobbins factored into that. I'm a little surprised by that in week one. I think Ingram could be a good value play at running back because even if Dobbins is great this year, I'd be surprised if he's really eating into that workload too much in week one. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, because why not? 4900 uh for Deshaun Jackson going cheap at receiver there, and he's obviously uh, a high upside guy and you know, no Rager, not exactly confident in the Washington football team's defense uh, slowing down Deshaun Jackson. And I already mentioned it. I spent big on George Kittle. In order to afford that, I went cheap with on Johnson at running back. So I'm with you there, John, um, Johnny. We've got on at flex and uh, Terry McLaurin at receiver. So we've got the overlap there as well. And I have the Ravens defense because they are the best defense I could afford. <laughs> and that is how you pick defense every week. So I'll be interested to see uh, which one of us wins the five million dollars. <laughs> no, I think I think it's only a one million dollar prize, right? It's five million dollars, but it's one million for first. Oh well, I'm interested to see which one of us wins a million dollars. Well, and let, when let's we just, do, let, let's just say H uh, HPPP, otherwise known as Half Point Per Podcast, is going to get a major boost in funding if one of us wins that million dollar prize. I'll put it out there right now. If I win that money, I'll just hire you as employees. HPP, we can take this thing. <laughs> If if we, if we win a million dollars, every one of our Twitter followers gets a share. So follow us on Twitter at Half Point Per Pod. That's going to do it for us today on episode 12. I'm very excited for week one. It's going to be a lot of fun. So excited to have real games to talk about next week as well. Our show is available anywhere you listen to podcasts, most notably Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, we are going to be live on the Twitter, I believe, this Sunday. Uh, before the first games, it'll be like 11.15, 30 ish doing some maybe start sit, some in and out, because record this on Tuesday. We don't really know for sure who's going to be in and out in a lot of these Sunday games. So if you got a- any questions for us at that point, um, come check us out over there. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes while you're at it, and we will see you all after a great slate of games this weekend.